Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Not Your Basic Fitspo podcast. Today, I have Jordan Syatt with me, and we chat about sugar addiction, snacking, how to get motivated, as well as things that are overrated and underrated for fat loss, and so much more. Hope you enjoy the episode. Chat soon. All right. What's up, Jordan? What's up, Carrie? How are you doing? It's good to see you. It's so good to see you. Yeah. Pumped that we got you on here. Um, happy Hanukkah, by the way. It's the last day today, right? Yeah, it is. Thank you. You don't, yeah. you don't celebrate Hanukkah, do you? No, I don't. But I do have some clients who do. And, um, you know, they were just uh, saying like their kids are all excited about their last day of toys and it's so funny. I remember growing up, it was it was a big deal, right? Like holidays are always a huge deal growing up. And Hanukkah used to go by so slowly because every day was a huge buildup to the night when you're going to like every day. It was like it was just painstakingly slow, whereas <laughs> now it just it goes by so fast at this point. But yeah, so do you celebrate Christmas? Yeah. Yeah, we do, do Christmas. Um, I mean, things like this year are kind of just chill. I got the tree up, you know, I have toddler in the house. So all the ornaments are hanging halfway up the tree, you know, away yep, from yep. him. <laughs> Little boy who loves balls. It's like the last thing <laughs> ornaments hanging. Right. But yeah, no, we do Christmas. It's going to be a little quieter this year, obviously, but uh, yeah, but yeah, it's kind of how we are anyway. So it's perfect. Good. That'll be nice. Yeah. So I am so excited to get you on here because I feel like, um, you know, we share a lot of the same values, but you've been, you know, in this game for a long time. And, you know, my clients and my followers like love me, but to have, you know, have things said from someone else from, from Jordan will be really exciting for everybody. So I actually posted a and a on my feed today with people's okay. like, what they're struggling with when it comes to fat loss. And mm-hmm. I always see the same things over and over again. So I kind of pinpointed some of the best ones. And the first thing I wanted to chat about was sugar addiction. <laughs> when oh, people think they're addicted the to sugar. One. I did. Yeah. <laughs> you know, people say like, I can't, I can't stop eating sugar um, or I'm addicted to sugar, which I'm sure you've heard before once or twice. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. It's a, that's a really big conversation. Um, and it's funny. I've wanted to make a YouTube video on this for like a year and a half, two years, but for a couple of reasons that I haven't, number one being it's so unbelievably emotional for a lot of people. It's a very emotional conversation for people to have and they get really upset about it, especially if if you tell someone you're not addicted to sugar and they believe they're addicted to sugar, it's a, it's a hell of a conversation you're about to have. And, and number two, just f- to be forthright, I've sort of wavered on my stance back and forth a little bit, um, mainly just because of the definition of addiction. That's really where where I, I struggle with this because we, it's hard to, to, we have to figure out like what, what defines addiction. Right. And and there are a number of different characteristics. If you want to go by the the scientific definition of, of addiction for me, I think, Ever constitutes an addiction like there, there are many different types of addictions right we could have an addiction that is um like a physiological addiction to something we could have an addiction that's more of a mental addiction to it um there are some sometimes if someone has an addiction to something there there are clear withdrawal symptoms from it but not every addiction necessarily has a withdrawal symptom right so i struggle with whether or not i i should say it's addictive because on on one hand there are no physiological like withdrawal symptoms from it, right? There's nothing as like if you stop eating sugar or or reduce your sugar intake or realistically, it's a, it's oftentimes not just sugar. It's usually sugar plus fat and often salt that goes along right. with it. But if you reduce those things, you're not going to have like physiological withdrawal symptoms that like are going to put you in a, in a serious issue. It's probably, you're going to end up feeling better as a result of it. But um, I struggle with it because 
as a coach, just from a coaching perspective, not even from the, the scientific perspective, I know if I tell someone they're not addicted to it, we're going to create an immediate barrier. And that's not, that doesn't help the coaching process at all. Yeah. So in my mind, on one hand, I want to say, listen, you're not addicted. Just like if we're talking straight science and facts, like we're, you're not there, you're not addicted to it. On the other hand, from a coaching perspective, that doesn't help me get an, any better relationship with the client. It doesn't help me get a better relationship with you to say, listen, well, scientifically, you're not addicted. So I just want to put sort of like Dwight Schrute from the office just being like, well, no, you're not addicted. Fact. You're, it's like, <laughs> all right, thanks, asshole. It doesn't help me though, right? So this is where I waver with this. Like, yes, scientifically, you're not addicted to it. Just you're not. But if I'm working with you as a coach, that's not going to be the first thing I say to you at all. And if it helps you for me to say, okay, yes, yeah, you're addicted to it just so we can move forward with the conversation and then get to, well, how do we overcome this? Fine. I'll say you're addicted just that we can get past that point. Mm -hmm. Cause sometimes it, I see a lot of coaches struggling to get past that point with their clients. Cause they're like, you're not addicted. You're not addicted. And it's sort of that, that headbutting between like one coach is saying I'm not addicted. And the other person is saying, if you can't just admit that I am addicted, then I don't want your help at all. Right. It's like, well, the point is how do we get you help? So that's where I struggle with it. Yeah. No, it's so true. Um, and I've had, you know, in my early days before I ever worked with you, and I mean, that's a whole story in itself, you know, you changed my mindset on a lot of things because I just kind of exited the bodybuilding world. And mm. at one point, like I was told to do burpees because I had gum that had sugar in it. And I was like, it's gum. Like, oh my God. it's a gumball, but it wasn't tilapia. It wasn't, you know what I mean? Like egg whites that I was allowed to sweeten with stevia and call a pancake. Like it was, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> it was a good life. Right. And I did it for so long. Um, you know, but then when I'd have a cheat day, I would get six donuts. It's like, who does that? I would never do that on a normal day. Right. Um, right. Right. So like, I know there's so many coaches out there and there's so much noise. And that was another one of the common struggles that someone actually responded to. They said just the noise in the fitness industry, not knowing who to believe, what to listen to, you know, with diet culture and everything. Um, so with sugar, like it's just made out to be this demonic thing. Whereas yeah. like, you know, for some people, you know, just learning how to have it in moderation can be progress or for some people, maybe eliminating a little bit, you know, it, I guess it depends on the person, right? I, I literally just got off the podcast before this with a, a young woman who she said herself, she's underweight and she knows she's underweight. She, she really struggles with food. And she said, you know, I know you make jokes about it, but she said, I really struggle to eat a banana because I'm worried about the sugar, about the sugar making me fat. So there are many different ways that people can struggle with this, right? There could be people struggling with it from massive overconsumption and there could be people struggling with it from massive demonization. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's, that's why it's hard to just put out blanket statements because you never know who's listening, who's reading, who's watching and what they're struggling with. That being said, uh, if we're talking about sugar, we'll talk about sugar addiction, right? We'll mm -hmm. put the, the idea that people are addicted to sugar. No, if we're just talking scientific facts, if we're talking like Dwight Schrute, you're, you're not addicted to sugar. You're <laughs> just like scientifically, you're not, you're not addicted to sugar. Um, if that were the case, then people would be eating sugar by the spoonful out of sugar bags, just that the one that they have in their, in their kitchen. And that's, that's probably not happening. Generally speaking, there, there is a, a topic around highly palatable foods around foods that are high in sugar, often high in fat and oftentimes salt, right? So people are absolutely, people overconsume French fries easily. People overconsume donuts easily, but these are not just necessarily like high sugar foods. Like they're high fat, high salt for sure. And then also sugar along oftentimes comes with it, cake, all that stuff. Um, that being said, I do tend to fall into the camp into thinking that if you, if you believe that you're addicted to it, oftentimes it can become a justification to keep doing it. Right. This is, this is where like, if, if you say, well, I'm addicted to it and we don't put that belief in check, Oftentimes people will just be like, well, I'm addicted to it. And they'll use it as a justification to say, well, I'm already addicted to it. So whatever. So you can see where I have so much cognitive dissonance on this topic because I don't really fully know where I stand. And it's so individualistic. Yeah. Um, with that being said, I think 
for me, the easiest route to go with people who feel like they're addicted to this. I'll say, I'll say, well, listen, let, let's say you're addicted to it. Let's just say we're going to give you that you're addicted to sugar, even though we know you're not, but let's yeah. just say you are. What would you say to a friend who was an alcoholic? What would you say to a friend who was addicted to cigarettes? Would you say like, oh, well, you're already addicted. So whatever, keep going. Like, is that, is that your mentality? Would you have a defeatist mentality is, or would you say, Hey, you have an unhealthy relationship with alcohol. You have an unhealthy relationship with cigarettes. You have an, they're sex addicts, right? Yeah. So you don't just say like, ah, oh, yeah, and no, whatever. Just like, keep going. It's like, no, yeah. we, we need to solve the problem. So for me, the, what's the next step? And for some people, you actually brought up a really good point. One that I get kicked back every time that I bring up it for some people with sugar, if, if you really struggle with it, sometimes eliminating it completely for a brief period of time is actually very beneficial. Yeah. For other people, it's a very, it's not the right choice for other people, reducing it slowly and having a more moderate relationship with it from the beginning is very helpful. But what's interesting is if you look at the research around breaking addictions, whether it's with, we could call it sugar or alcohol, whatever, um, very rarely do you see someone who's an alcoholic reducing it moderately. Like, very, exactly. like if someone who's an alcoholic, very rarely are they like, oh, I'll go to the bar and just have a couple. It's like, that's not how it works. Usually it's co complete elimination. And what's interesting is there, there's actually a significant amount of research that once they've eliminated it completely for a while, there actually is a tremendous success rate for people then getting back in alcohol if they want to. Many alcoholics never drink again, which is fine, but then drinking it more moderately, maybe months or years later. Same thing can be done with sugar. Same thing can be done with any addictive habit where first you eliminate it completely before you can bring it back in and have a more moderate relationship with it. So I'm not a, a fan of completely saying no sugar, but I would say, for example, like if you struggle with, I would say, what foods do you struggle with? Sometimes it's maybe it's cake, maybe it's ice creams, maybe it's donuts, whatever. I'd say maybe if that's a trigger food for you, you should eliminate that food. Right. It's like if for, for me, it was pretzels. Yeah. Like, and that might sound weird, but like, no, those are I easy to overconsume. <laughs> so easy to overconsume. Yeah. It was like, if I had, if I had them in my house, it was, it was a goner. If I had them in my apartment, it was a goner. So I kept them out of my apartment for literally years. Now I can have them right next to me and it's not a big deal, but I had to get them out of the way for years. It wasn't like I couldn't ever eat them, but I deliberately kept them out of my house for that amount of time. I think this is a, something that a lot of people in the, the newer age flexible dieting crowd don't want to hear. They don't want to be told that there should be any restrictions whatsoever. Mm -hmm. They don't, they don't like the idea of any restrictions, which is, I think that's a, a, a whole separate issue to discuss. But yeah, I think for some people they need to completely eliminate those foods and other people learning how to incorporate them more moderately is the best choice. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I found with my experience, cause I've done Oh, I have so many diets. Like I'm sure you understand. You've kind of gone through it all as well. That there is some something to be said about that traditional bodybuilding diet. I feel like that mm. hammered in my basic habits. You know, like I just can't. I I don't have a meal without protein as my main. You know, the main the main course. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and that's just something that I, runs on autopilot now. So I am thankful for that and. Uh, to actually quote you, this is something that I tell my clients all the time. And I think it was the podcast I did on your podcast um, a while back. You said like sometimes a little imbalance is what can create balance, you know, long term, Absolutely. you know, and I teetered, you know, I went from hardcore bodybuilding to diehard hashtag IIFYM, like, <laughs> you know, I was just fitting everything into my macros. And then I was like, hey, vegetables are good and should probably have fruit. And then after that, as I think is when I met you and uh, kind of found a little bit of a balance there. It was like, hey, like fiber's good. We should focus on this. And, you know, let me, let me have one treat a day, but then still prioritize my health. And, you know, which is, which is awesome. So, I think that's really sound I, advice. I think you bring up a really good point, which is the, I have a feeling there are probably people who are going to be listening who are like, well, I don't know what to do, right? It's like, yeah. he said, there's this, and, and she said, there's that. And they gave all these different options, but I don't know what to do. And the unfortunate reality is that the only way you're going to learn is if you try. Mm. And, and 
sort of maybe try eliminating a certain food. If it's in the house and you have a trigger food around, like take it out and understand that that might lead to, to an unbalance of some sort. And that's okay. That's the only way you're going to learn. And then from, this is all a learning process. Like the, how do you, how do you learn what diet works best for you? How do you learn what exercises are best for you? How do you learn any of this? Well, you might learn that conventional deadlifting isn't best for you because you did it too many times and you really hurt your back. Right. And then you realize, oh, sumo deadlifting is better for me because it feels better on my back. Or maybe you realize that close stance squatting wasn't good for you or barbell. The reason that I I learned that barbell back squats aren't the best for me on a regular basis is because my hips were killing me. And then I realized that Bulgarian split squats felt great on my hips. So, but I only learned that through an imbalance. And then from that, then I could get better. And I think it's not a fun answer. It's not the, the, we all just want to be told exactly what to do. Well, should I eliminate sugar? Should I keep it in? It's like the only person who can answer that is you through trial and error. And that's it. And the more you can get comfortable with that uncomfortability of not knowing exactly what to do and just working through this, then the better you'll get at finding what works for you. But it's going to take time and patience. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, some tips that I've given to my clients, like to have them try has been either getting, um, you know, mini versions of the foods they love, whether it's like an individual pack of mini Oreos or something instead of the whole box and, and trying Mm -hmm. that out. Or I told someone last night, um, I gave a really funny analogy about just creating friction, like, or I think that's what I meant to say, friction between you and, you know, the temptation. So if you have it sitting beside you in a bowl, like, you know, peanut M&M sitting on your counter, I know that's what you like, right? (laughs) Um, (laughs) As opposed to like putting it in a box with a lock and putting it in your garage, you're going to have much more time to make a to make a sound decision to actually be like, Hey, do I really want this? You know, give your brain time to, you know, practice some self-control instead of just doing it on, on a whim, just because you're feeling like I, it and it's right there. So. I love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That sort of that, that impulse control a little bit. You have more time from the, the impulse to the actual action. That's uh one thing that I've done is, um, actually, I don't think I've spoken about this, but oftentimes if you're craving something sweet, right? You're not hungry. You, like, you know, you're not hungry, but you just want something sweet. Sometimes what I'll do is I'll say like, have something not sweet first, put something not sweet in your mouth. Like, I don't care what like put whatever it is. Maybe it's a drink of water, maybe yep. a, a thing of seltzer yep. and it goes away. Yeah. Not every time. It's not like clockwork. If if you're determined to have something sweet, then yeah, you're probably going to fucking have the drink of water yeah. and then go get that. But it, it, creates more friction like you're talking about it's another thing to put in front of that whether it's hiding it in a lockbox in the in the garage or whatever <laughs> it is or having a sip of seltzer or whatever it is there, there are so i know some people are, are big on like if they start feeling that way especially at night it's like they brush their teeth yeah and if after they brush their teeth they want to have something to eat like cool go for it then you're welcome to but oftentimes just doing something to just putting something else in your mouth and we can find a sexual innuendo for that <laughs> I one. I was going to say. <laughs> something in your mouth is enough to be like, all right, you know what? Do I really want this or not? Yeah. And uh, yeah, there, there are many tricks of the trade that you can you can do to try and get over it. But I think um, a lot of people, they really struggle with it. It's just, it's so hard for me. I feel like I'm addicted to it, right? They feel like I just, I need it. it it's funny when overcoming any addiction, it's uh one thing that people really struggle with is, is understanding that they do have a choice, right? right. Is they, they, they really, are in control. Very, they are, they are. And it's not something they like to hear because sort of like when I struggled with binge eating, I felt like I wasn't in control. When I struggled with binge eating where every night I would, I would binge, I felt out of control. And if someone had told me, but you are in control, I would have been pissed. Because I was like, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm not, right? But it wasn't until I realized that I was in control that I was able to stop binging. And haven't binged in like a, over a decade now. That's amazing. But that's, that's really where you have to figure out. You have to really call yourself on your bullshit. And you really have to understand you are in yeah. control. As much as you feel like you're not, and as much as that might anger you, you're not addicted to the sugar. And even if you are, if we can play that game, you have control over what you put in your mouth. Yeah. You do. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, it, it has to come from you. You know, if a coach is telling you like, you're in control, like no one listens. Whereas if you kind of guide them and then all of a sudden they're like, you know what, I'm in control. You're like, Hey, there you go. You know? Exactly and, right. Yeah. It has to come from us. Absolutely. Um, no, that's, that's awesome. I, I think that kind of covers it. It was very helpful. Um, and the next point, somebody wrote this as one of their struggles and I laughed because I was like, Jordan's going to have this on a recording. Like, You could probably <laughs> pause this and just play it. Somebody said they struggle with staying motivated. I'm sure you've presented on this a few times. <laughs> Actually, I'm pretty sure this is what you presented on at, um, at the Cressy Sports Performance Center. It was like one of your first yeah. in-person kind of seminars. Because um, I oh, flew out there. So there was a bunch of really awesome <laughs> chat, like talkers out there. You did great. You know, but like looking back, the first one, I remember you're like, I don't, I don't really have a plan. I'm going to kind of just go out here and, you know. I'll never forget. I'll never forget this. I, that was one of my first ones that I ever presented at. I was super nervous because Eric was a huge mentor of mine, still yeah. is. And within the first seven seconds, I busted out an F-bomb. <laughs> and, um, and two women in the front were livid. They were so, they, they looked at me and they were like, um, we're mothers. And I remember being like, I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> I, was I was like, like I know a lot of mothers I was going to say, I think I've started to say it a lot more now that I am a mother. You know what I mean? I was like, that's such an odd thing to say. Like, clearly they were livid. And, and one of them was like, um, we're mothers. I was like, okay, my mom swears at me all the time. I know. Oh, <laughs> but, that's funny. Uh, that, that is the most common question that I get, especially yeah. for whatever reason. Yeah, you start to notice trends at different times of the year. Th there's always a trend for motivation. But especially right around now, oh, yeah. going into the holidays when people are generally exercising less, eating more, and feeling guilty about it, it's like, how do I get motivated? It's just this is the most the most common question I get all the time. So I, I mean, how about before I go into my spiel, what do you, what do you think? And then we'll we'll just chat about it. Well, I mean, I have I have YouTube videos on it. Like everyone on my Instagram has seen this before, but yeah, like people will see it, but then be like, I see that, but how do I get motivated? <laughs> you know, um, and the thing is, and and it's funny because right before I came on here with you, I actually posted. There's like a trend going around where you say like, you know, make an assumption about me. So I just did it for fun. And I love that. Someone yeah. said, yeah, and I was like, you know, let's see what they say. And someone said, you know, you're kind of perfect and have it all together. And I actually let Stephen, um, you know, he, let him respond. And I was like, you want to respond to this? And he just started laughing <laughs> like every day. Like, it's like, I have nothing figured out. Even before this podcast, I think it was a half an hour before I was kind of like, oh, let me just organize my thoughts. And worst case is I don't post it. Right. And so it's not like, to make a long story short, it's not that like I'm motivated to do this or anything. I'm just so used to taking action and just kind of, taking that imperfect action, which is, to be honest, something I learned from you from before I think we ever first spoke from seeing your YouTube videos of your, um, your form. Your I used to use, so bad. <laughs> they were, but they were great. Like, but the thing is they got the message across and I think I used your YouTube videos for my very first clients. And that's how I found you. I was looking up I some exercises that. and I think it was some mobility stuff and you came up. And I'm like, oh, this guy's like in his living room doing like, you know, <laughs> bent over Y's and T's and all these things. And I still have some on my um, on my app. I've kind of recorded most of my own. And I just remember being like, I love this. Like, it doesn't have to be perfect. It's just like, let me get yeah. this done. And like, look at you now. And it's, like, you know, so to to say you're motivated to do something, it's like, no, it just comes from repetitive action taking, I guess. And then you know, you see the results and you kind of tweak and then you just keep going. You repeat the cycle. Yeah. I, you're a hundred percent right. Yeah. I think people have, um, people have this grandiose idea of, of what it looks like to be consistent. And I think in people's mind, there's a soundtrack playing and it's sort of funny. It's like, you know, when you make an Instagram story or even a TikTok video, which you crush TikToks. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you took one of your TikTok videos and didn't put music over the top, how how weird would that be? 
right? It, it looked really odd, right? Whether it's dancing and pointing and be like, yeah. what is, is that weird? It's just like, there's no, but the music makes it so much better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and same thing with an Instagram story. One of the reasons I put music over so many of my Instagram story videos is because it makes it more engaging and more fun. And like people like want to watch it more. Yeah. I think when people think of other people and what other people are doing, they, they have this like, there's a soundtrack playing. They're like, oh, for that person, it's just always Eminem just playing in their head. And it's this, they're always just motivated and crushing it. It's like, nope, uh, I'm sitting on my couch. I'm probably watching The Office. And I really don't want to work out. It was, it was funny. Today, I didn't want to do my cardio. And I never <laughs> want to do my cardio. But I did a 45-minute bike ride. And, and I also didn't want to take pre-workout today. It's just I don't want to take it more than twice a week. I'm just, I don't want to do that just yeah. for my own personal whatever. It's like, yeah. I don't want to rely on it. Yeah. So in order to get myself motivated today, I took a shower. It was uh, like, all right, I need to get in there. And then in the shower, I was just like really, really delaying. I was really taking a lot. I was just like, all right, whatever. Like listening to music. Like I don't want to get out of the shower because I know when I get out, I'm going to have to do the fucking cardio. <laughs> but it's, people have this really grandiose idea of what, of what it means to be consistent. And it's, it's really not grandiose. It's really very just annoying to be honest. Like it's, it's just, yeah, you just gotta do it. It's just there. That's exactly it. And you just have to do it. And and you bring up a really good point where it's just imperfect action, Mm -hmm. just, just doing it. And it doesn't have to be great. It doesn't have to be tremendous. It doesn't have to be, it just has to be something, just something for fuck's sake, just something, just do it. Just get on the bike, just go on a walk, just drink some more water, eat some more fruit, whatever the fuck it is, just do something and know that it's probably not going to be fun. It's not, but it'll be worth it. You'll be proud of yourself because you did it. And this is something that I've been also thinking about, cause you know, I talk a lot about just taking action. Action leads to motivation. But in my mind, I've also been wondering, I wonder if it's easier for some people and other people. And I think it is. I think it is like as in everything in life, some things are easier. Like for, for some people, math is easier for some people. Uh, physical fitness is easier for some people. Hand-eye coordination is easier for whatever it is. Like everyone has something easier, but I've been wondering, like, I think there's a, uh, something about action takers that I, I think is different and how can we help people who aren't action takers? And I've been having this thought in my mind, what is it? And I don't know if this is correct. I'm sort of just, I'm bringing up a lot of new ideas I like that this, I haven't yeah. shared. I think, and I could be wrong, but I think a lot of it has to do with competitiveness. And mm-hmm. I think you are very competitive with yourself. Very I think you're so. just a very competitive person, which is one of the reasons why you're so good at taking action because you're competitive. And I'm sure in in some areas of your life, it's led you to be too competitive where it's gotten you maybe into some trouble, maybe into some unhealthy habits. I know it has for me, right? I mean, that's, it's in many areas of my life, it's gotten me, I've gotten too competitive and I've taken too much action into where the action became um, a, a negative aspect of my life. And then through that, I was able to learn a more balanced approach. But that was only through taking more and more action. So I think one thing that I try and do with either my clients or whatever it is, is for the people who struggle to take action is try and get a competitive fire in there. Try and create some competitiveness, which for whatever it's worth is one of the reasons why I love 30-day challenges or challenges Mm. of some sort. A challenge creates a competition. And it's also why I love the consistency calendar. When you have a calendar... And you mark off your X if you did it, your your circle if you didn't, because for the people who aren't naturally competitive in their mind, well, now it's staring you in the face. It's like you either did it or you didn't. And everyone has some innate competitiveness within them. And for them to see that's like, wow, I've had I've had six circles in a row. It's like Do you want to go over the calendar? This is something you've actually shared previously um, that I have used after I learned it from you with some of my clients and I've used it with myself too. Do you want to kind of just give a little uh, synopsis of what it looks like? I think that might help people tremendously. So I'll I'll give actually, I'll give some background as to, so why why I started the calendar Mm -hmm. and then I'll, I'll talk about what it is. So 
I've always been interested in, in why people do or do not do the things they know they should be doing. Right. This is like, just as a coach, once you become, it's so funny, people start to become a coach because they want to help people. And they're like, I'm going to learn how to write the best workout programs. <laughs> I'm going to learn how to give people the perfect macros and perfect calories. And then everyone's going to lose weight and be strong and healthy and happy. And it'll be wonderful. <laughs> and then they learn the reality of coaching, which is you could have the best program in the world. You could have the best macros, the best diet, but a lot of people aren't going to follow it. Mm-hmm. And doesn't matter how great of an exercise programmer you are, how wonderful of a coach you are. What matters is how good are you helping or or how good are you at getting your clients to stick to the program consistently? And oftentimes you have to take what might not be the best program on paper and turn it into something that's just good for the person because they're making progress at something. It might not be optimal on paper, but it's great because at least they're taking action. They're doing something, getting consistent. Yeah. So I noticed that, I was looking at my inner circle members and, and there's this the one program that we start with, which is the unicorn strong challenge. Anytime someone begins the, the inner circle, I'm like, this is the program you start with. And I wasn't happy with how many people were completing it. Uh, I, it wasn't a, a percentage with which I was like, this is good enough. I, I wanted more people to actually complete it. And I was like, what can I do? Because it's one thing if I'm working with clients one-on-one. If I'm working with clients one-on-one, success rate is astronomically high. When you go to more of something like a membership where they're not necessarily working with you individually, it it drops, which is normal. There's less accountability. But I didn't like that. I was like, I got to figure out a way to get them to be more accountable in some sense. So I remember I was actually in Gary Vaynerchuk's basement. I was like working with Mike. It was like two in the morning and I was trying to think of something and I came up with the consistency calendar idea. I was like, I'm going to try this. And I put it into the, the Unicorn Strong Challenge manual. And I was like, this is what you're going to do. And immediately success rate went up. Like immediately. It was, it was bewildering to me. It was the first thing I thought of. And it just happened to work. It was like once in a lifetime, like lightning bolt strikes. And um, basically what it, what it is is you make you get a calendar, a real calendar, not one on your phone, a real one that you can draw on, that you can put stuff on. You put it on your fridge. And if you hit your nutrition that day and you get your scheduled work in that day, workout that day, you put an X, a red X, cross it out. You were successful that day. You did what you're supposed to do. If you didn't hit your nutrition and, or you didn't do the workout you were supposed to do that day, you have a big black circle, right? So red X on the good days, black circle on the bad days. At the end of the month, you look at your calendar and if you want to be at least 80% consistent for that 80, 20 rule, then you should have at least 25 to 26 red, red X's. If you don't have at least 25 to 26 of them, then you weren't at least 80% consistent and you don't deserve to be upset with your lack of progress. Yeah, that's it. And generally what happens is when people realize when they get that 80% consistent, then they start seeing the results they want. And if, if they aren't 80% consistent, then they say, Oh my God, I wasn't being anywhere near as consistent as I thought I was being. And then it, it sort of sparks them to be like, all right, I got to take this shit more seriously. Or they're like, you know what? It's not worth it. I don't want to anymore. And so either way, they figure out what if this is something they want to do or not. And it, it benefits them. Yeah. It's just awareness, right? Because we are so good at convincing ourselves that we're doing well or that we're doing better than what we think. I mean, even me, like I, I just reached out and um, hired – a new coach today because you know I've got a wedding Amazing. next year. I mean, we're both we're both got engaged yeah. this year, right? Congrats on that. I <laughs> <laughs> say big year. Yeah. Um, so you know, with the wedding and stuff, like I was like, you know, I just wanna it's that last that na- last 10 pounds, you know, which uh, which whether or not it's actually 10 pounds in weight, it doesn't matter, but it's always the hardest. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I took myself <laughs> so far, but then there's days where I'm like, I should be making progress. And Steven's like, your mom was here and every day we ate out and you had dessert at every <laughs> meal. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. But the dessert surely was only 200 calories. It's like, no, it probably was more like seven, you know? And, <laughs> and then when you're trying to coach yourself, I'm like, today I'm eating this many calories tomorrow. I'm eating this many. And I just, it's all over the place. So um, it, it's even the best of us that are experts, you know, we can still miscalculate how consistent we've been, you know, and trick ourselves. Yeah. I do it all the time. Oh my, with everything. It's like, I I haven't been consistent with YouTube at all recently. 
just like I haven't, I haven't wanted to, like, I just, I've been way more interested in podcasts. I've been really enjoying mm-hmm. podcasting, but it's so funny in my mind. I've been like, Oh, I don't know. I've probably put up like, I don't know, five or six videos in the last few months and I'll go look and it's one video in the last like three months. It's like, or, or it's, um, I, I remember when I first started jujitsu, I, they give you an attendance card. And every day that you go, they put an X, which is actually very similar to my calendar. It's like every day that you attend class, you give the card to your instructor and they put an X on it for the day that you intended. And this is like a big joke in the jujitsu community. It's like, cause apparently every jujitsu academy has like this attendance card and, and students will be like, well, why haven't I gotten promoted my belt yet? And they're like, well, bring over your attendance card and they bring it over. And it's like, you've been to the last two months. Like why the hell would you be promoted? <laughs> And it's funny because when I first started jujitsu, I thought that I was going five or six times a week. And if you go, I, I got my card recently because I got promoted. And I look back when I first, for the first three months, I was going maybe two or maybe two or three times a week. And I thought I was going double that. It's just, it's, it's so easy to convince yourself you're doing more than you actually are. It's so easy to, to forget what yeah. you're not doing or yeah. what you are doing, right? Depending on like, the same thing with tracking calories is why if you've never tracked your calories, it's so easy to forget what food you put in your mouth yeah. when you're not, when like you don't want to believe it's there. It's crazy. Oh yeah. It was same, literally the same thing today. I, I went in and I kind of tracked it and I was like, Oh, I've got so much for dinner left over. And it was one of those days where I didn't really plan. I mean, I'm mom now and not that it's an excuse, but definitely <laughs> like not on the top list of my priorities all the time. But, uh, you know, it's a good thing I did because I kind of changed what I was going to have for dinner. Cause I was like, Oh, I've got like, you know, 800 calories left. I was like, no, I have three. I was like, okay, that's a big difference, <laughs> you know? And then it's like, wait a minute. Also, I it, it goes back to what someone wrote about you saying that you just have everything together, mm. right? Where it's like, no, we struggle with it too. We struggle with knowing how many calories we're eating. Like there are some days where I'll, I'll go way over my calorie limit and I could have swore that I was under my calorie limit. And then I'll be like, ah, oh, like really disappointed going to bed. Cause I would have liked to have had more. It's like, I think a lot of people just assume nutrition coaches or whatever it is, have it all figured out. And it's yeah. like, Oh no, sometimes I'll, I'll go to bed being like, man, probably should have structured my nutrition better today. So it had more room for tonight. Right. Or it's like, I'll go to bed sometimes being like, I ate too much today. Like that was too much. Like this happens to yeah. everybody. It's, it's part of the process. Yeah. It's like, we're all humans and like circling back to, the motivation thing, like thinking that some people are just born with motivation and others aren't. It's like, I've heard, and I can't remember who it is, so I won't quote it, but I remember there being a, it's like a motivational speaker who said that every time before he went on stage that he would still get nervous and feel like an imposter. Like he was, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like nobody has it together. I think that's the biggest thing. Like nobody's got it figured out. It's just, it's just some people take action and some people don't, that's it, you know? And kind of how you view failure, right? I mean, it's yeah. like the whole fix versus growth mindset, which is a whole nother topic in itself, but. Yeah. And for whatever it's worth, I think everybody takes action on something, right? So everybody takes action on the things that they're prioritizing and they're not taking action on the things they're not prioritizing. So, I mean, I work with a lot of mothers. And I know you do too, mm-hmm. right? It's like, Every mother I've ever worked with, the number one thing they prioritize is their children. And like, that's like, they're taking action on that. Oftentimes what they're not taking action on is themselves. They're not prioritizing themselves. And, and I can understand that it's a very difficult thing sometimes. Like, well, the issue is a lot of times what they'll do is they'll use their children as an excuse Mm -hmm. to not take action on themselves, which is not something they like to hear. Or it's like, well, you're, listen, I know your children are important, but also you're important and your children aren't going to be able to do very well if their mother isn't taking care of themselves. That's the so, thing. The, so for me, and I, th- I think one of the, the best things that, that you can do is try to find some competitiveness, try to find sort of like a, I know a lot of times people in the fitness industry talk about finding your why. And I think that's important to find your why. I do think it's a little bit overdone and a little bit cliche <laughs> a little at this little point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, what's your why? It's like, all right, I, you know, you care about your kids and you know, you, your kids will be better off if you're healthier and you're prioritizing yourself. Sometimes it's not enough though. 
So, so I, I like to try and dig a little bit deeper into the more human aspect of us, which is like, we all have competitiveness in some way and mm-hmm. we're in some way we're all competitive. So trying to dig into that sort of like one of the most, the most powerful human emotions is nostalgia. Nostalgia yeah. is like one of the strongest, strongest human emotions. If you ever want to sell something like playing towards a nostalgia, like if you look at big marketing companies, they'll always, always play towards nostalgia in their commercials or their advertisements. Mm-hmm. Another, another powerful human emotion is competitiveness. And I think if you can find the competitiveness in yourself, then you're, you're probably going to, motivation is still a struggle. It's not easy. Like I just told you, I had to get in the shower to wake myself up enough just yeah. to like try and push myself to get on the bike. But still, like if you can find something that will make you a little bit competitive, it might make it a little bit easier. Yeah. I love that. I think that's awesome. And and good thing, you know, even something that I can benefit from just from the conversation for myself too. It's just, I think I'm going to get back on the consistency calendar again. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, no, I love helps. that. Um, so from there, and I know this, this kind of, kind of ties into the sugar thing, but this is something that I've had um, a lot of conversations with clients. I find when I start with a new client, it's one of the first things that they ask about or that they struggle with, which is I'm, I'm going to make a video and put it with their, you know, they get a nutrition video series, which, you know, we designed and everything. Um, and I think I'm going to add it to it, but people get so caught up in snacks in like having the perfect snack, or I don't know what to have for a snack, or I'm eating the wrong snacks. I'm like, do you, you don't even have to have snacks, you know, and just, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> like they make such a big thing about these perfect snacks because, you know, you see it on social media. Everyone's like, here, have this, you know, walnut infused cottage cheese with like arugula on top or something. And it's like, just have a piece of fruit or have a sandwich. Like, I don't yeah. know, like, just what do you like? I don't know what you like. Um, so I, just like to touch on that kind of. I think you bring up a great point, which is, I love this because I, I don't think I've ever touched on this. Mm. And uh, I think that I think snacks are way overblown. I think snacks like I, I hate snacks. Right. <laughs> like, like when right? I eat, I want to feel full. Yeah. I don't like when I eat, I eat because I like I'm hungry because I want to feel full. I don't want to eat just like this hundred calorie pack. That's not going to fill me up. Like I want a fucking yeah. meal. Yeah. So if, if I'm going to eat, if I want to have a snack type food, I'll just have that with my meal. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like, for me, that just makes more sense. I would rather have a big meal, five, six, seven, eight hundred 800 calories. And if I, as part of that meal, I want to have, I don't know, a bag of Doritos as part of like, cool, then I'll have the bag of Doritos, but I don't want to have like a 300 calorie meal. And then an hour and a half later, have my Dorito pack and an hour and a half later, have like my small six almonds. It's like, no, that's fucked for me, that doesn't sound very enjoyable. And I'm just always going to be hungry. I'm never going to be satisfied. It's if you want snacks, great, go for it, have a snack. But personally, I would rather have two to four big meals a day that include my favorite foods. If that is a snack food for you, great. If not, that's fine too. But I think snacks are way overblown. And honestly, I think a lot of times eating something when you're just for the sake of eating it, just for the sake of a snack will oftentimes lead you to eat more yeah. than if you just had several big meals that day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, cause it's, it's at the end of the day, it's your total calorie count, right? It's, it's, yeah. you know, it's your budget. It's how much you can fit in a day. And yeah, it's like people, you bring up such a good point with like, sometimes you eat it and it actually leaves you feeling more unsatisfied, which can lead you to eating 100%. more, you know, whereas like fruit, for example, like if you want to have some fruit during the day or something, you know, watermelon and berries yeah. and all that, you know, I, that's usually my go-to, but um, sometimes I'll have a protein bar depending on, you know, a busy schedule. Um, but aside from that, one thing I found from bodybuilding days was like the six small meals a day. Like I had a timer on my phone. I used to carry around this like Ninja Turtle. Like it looked like a Ninja Turtle backpack. It had the six I love that. compartments with the Tupperware. And <laughs> I honestly, I worked in the pharmacy and my timer would go off and they'd be like feeding time. I'm like, yeah. So I'd be like in the corner <laughs> eating cold chicken, like a, oh, it's ridiculous. Like, I was just like, you know, it's no pain, no gain, that whole mentality. Um, but yeah, I did find, and I think it depends on the person, right? It's like, what do you like? Yes. But I'm like you, I like to feel 
full. And once I realized like, hey, I can have a 700 calorie meal and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, this is great. And then it actually takes you for four or five hours, you know, go for a walk in a day. And yeah, I'm not chewing on gum or drinking seltzer to try and like, you know, manage my hunger anymore. I think at some point, almost everybody, if not everybody has, has believed in the myth that you need to have small meals all throughout the day in order to stoke the metabolic fire. And now we know that's not true. Um, and, and that's one of the best parts about knowing this is you can find whatever meal frequency works best for you. If you want to have 21 teeny tiny meals evenly spaced throughout the day, cool. I think that sounds miserable, but if that's what you prefer, go for it. If you want to have one massive meal every single day, I also think that sounds miserable, but if that's what you like, go for it. For me, I prefer two to four big meals throughout the day that fill me up. I think what's important to remember is some people, when they start working with me, they'll be like, well, I just, I don't want to give up my snack foods. I love my snack foods. I'm like, you don't have to give up your snack foods, but you can also eat your snack foods as part of your fucking meal. Just if you like your six almonds, then have your six almonds as part of your meal, or God forbid, maybe make it 24 almonds. Who knows, right? Just have it as part of your meal rather than thinking that, you have to just have this like <laughs> tiny little like snack of, of this like barely your palm size just because it's half need to stoke your metabolism. So I think a lot of times people, they feel like they, they, they're going to have to give up their snack foods or whatever, yeah. Doritos, Oreos, almonds. It's like, you don't have to give it up. I just, I just eat it as part of my meal and I enjoy it. Yeah. That's awesome. I think that's a really, really good um, way to look at it. Um, and now like going on, like kind of piggybacking on the whole snack thing with your theme. And this is what I'm going to kind of wrap everything up with. Um, your theme on Instagram recently has been a lot of like overrated and underrated, which I know kind of stem from oh. the whole cardio thing. Like I, you know, I, I obviously I watch your stories and I'm always laughing to myself. Um, and I figured we kind of just touch on before, say before we go, the most overrated things for fat loss and the most underrated. I love Maybe it. Kind of just finish off I with that. It carrying on with your theme of the week let's do it yeah 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 you just want to rattle some off yeah yeah overrated first all right overrated things for fat loss i'll how about this i'll list one overrated thing and then you list one overrated thing and then i'll list one underrated thing and you list one underrated thing all right so for fat loss specifically Mm -hmm. uh i would say one overrated thing for fat loss is we'll go with with supplements. I think supplements are, uh, whether it's, you know, fat burning pills or waist trainers or vibrating belts or, or anything that you could buy, anything that you can buy, right. Any, anything that comes in a bottle, anything that comes in a package, anything that, that you put into your, like, that is not food is, uh, overrated for fat loss. Anything that is, that is synthetic. Like you don't, if, if you don't need it to survive, it's overrated for fat loss. We'll call it that, right? Like if, if you don't need it to fuel your body, it's overrated for fat loss. Just the, the most, I'll just leave it there. You, yeah. what's, what's your, I was like, thing? we could start a whole nother <laughs> podcast on just that alone. Right. Um, <laughs> overrated. I would say fasted cardio. Um, something that yeah. I did. Oh my gosh. The timer was on. Like, you know, my alarm was off. I'd go in every single morning. I was like, I'm burning fat, not anything else, you know, and <laughs> very overrated. It's, it's funny. It's overrated because I used to believe that as well. I used to believe that fasted cardio because that's what we're told. Like, mm-hmm. well, and, and, it, and it makes sense when you have a, a misunderstanding of how, of what's actually going on. We've, we're told you're burning fat. Well, that's true. But what we don't, we're not told what we didn't understand was that burning fat substrate utilization is different than actually losing body fat. They're two different things. And that's where people are like, well, it makes sense because, well, you don't have anything in your body, so you're going to burn the body fat. Yeah, so you're going to burn fat. But just because you are burning fat doesn't mean you're losing body fat. It's two different things. So I think that's where a lot of people get confused with it. Yeah. That's a really good point. Yeah, absolutely. So underrated. Okay. Underrated for fat loss. I would say underrated for fat loss, we'll call it um, – Man, I'm trying to like think of good ones rather than just always what I always the say. Obvious ones. But underrated for fat loss, I'll say, um, I'll say protein. Yeah, I, I think 
I, I was going to go with calories, but uh, we'll just call it protein, even though calories are the most important. I'm going to start with protein just because um, even if you don't count your calories, even if you don't track them, even if you, you aren't aware, but you start adding more protein into your diet, you're probably going to be more full, mm-hmm. right? Your, your body is going to be better able to build muscle. Um, and oftentimes what I found is when people make an effort to add something into their, their habits, whether it's adding in some type of exercise, adding something in nutritionally at it, doing something rather than taking it away, but doing something, then oftentimes that leads to them to doing more things, right? So if they start deliberately adding more protein in, they're like, okay, well, if I'm adding more protein in, maybe I should start strength training more because I'm adding the more protein and I'm going to put that protein to good use. So I'd say protein, I think is a very underrated and a, a essential part, not only to, to fat loss, but health and, and overall fitness. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's awesome. You hit the nail on the head there. Cause it's when you take something away, it's just like that immediate, like negative association. Whereas when you're adding something, yes. it's like, Oh, this is, this is a good thing, you know? And like you say, it gets the ball rolling yeah. and the momentum building. Um, when you add something in, it's, it's, you're taking an action. Yeah. Which right? leads to motivation. Hey, away, it is still an action, but it's not, it's, it's harder to recognize it because you're not doing that thing. But when you add something in, you can pinpoint what it is I am actually doing to make progress versus when you take it out. Now you're just thinking you're abstaining and it's not the same connotation. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Um, so my go for underrated um, and something that I think I've realized more um, the past like few months uh, did a few um, like a health certification, um, health mindset certification and learned a lot about like kind of mindset psychology and stuff. And I'm going to say underrated is stress management um, mm. just because like stress and self-discipline live in like different parts of your brain. Right. So when you're stressed out, like your self-discipline is just kind of like hibernating, like, Hey, like, you don't need me right now, you know, and it's, and it makes it just that much harder. Right. And if you're stressed, if you're not feeling good, like you're, you're not going to want to diet or even try and be in a calorie deficit because that's a physical stress on your body too. Right. So it's just like a double whammy. I love that. I I agree completely. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a huge one. And, you know, something that I ask people when I have client intake forms and something I address is like, you know, how is your stress level? Because this, you know, setting the expectations right from the beginning, if you're stressed, it's going to be a lot harder than what you think. That's something that I think I could do better of and the fitness industry as a whole, but I, I holding myself responsible of giving out practical advice as to how to manage your stress, mm. right? We, we all talk about manage your stress, but I know per, I don't talk about how to manage it, mm-hmm. right? I, I don't have posts deli- or videos or podcasts talking about how I say, listen, yeah, it's important, but I don't talk about how I think that's something that as a whole, I and the fitness industry could do better is teaching people how to manage stress, like practical tips, right? Absolutely. You know, and I think it's very personalized in certain ways, but you know, if you give out four or five tips, somebody may align with one of them, you know, like some people can't, yeah sit and meditate. Some people like to go for a walk or, you know, my strength training a lot of the time is meditation to me. I sometimes do it with no music on at all. It's weird, but like just, you know, connecting with your body, you know what I'm talking about. Like there's something magical about a Romanian deadlift. I don't know why. I just love that move. (laughs) (laughs) But I remember the first day I actually got it, you know, like you, you do it for years and you're like, okay, I'm just hinging. And then you finally get it. You're like, wow. (laughs) Yes. I remember, oh, so funny you say that. I vividly remember the first time I ever felt my lats in a deadlift. Yes. And it was, it was that moment. It was like that, like, wow. <laughs> I, well, it was, I'll never forget that moment. I was in my college gym and I was deadlifting. I don't remember how much, but I vividly remember the first time I ever felt my lats help me lock a deadlift out. And I was like, my life just changed. Yeah. Like, and it took me years to do that. So yeah, I, I love that. Yeah, it's true. And then you just realize like how powerful you are. And it's just like, wow, I'm so connected with my body. And it's like, you know, that's a, <laughs> and we're nerding out here. Like, I know you get what I'm talking about, but it's, 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 yeah. <laughs> I was like, it is, it is a form of meditation without question. Yeah. It, it absolutely is. Yeah. Um, so let's go, we'll go one more each of each. We'll do one more overrated, one more underrated, and then I'll wrap it up. Okay. I was trying to keep it under an hour. 
Um, one more overrated. Let's see. Okay, one make more it a overrated. Good one. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> you know, it's um, I'll say this is overrated, even though I'm such a big proponent of it for health, but for fat loss specifically, cardio in general mm-hmm. is, I think, overrated. Um, it's funny because now I'm thinking like, well, maybe now in the fitness industry, it's almost underrated because so many people are like, you don't need cardio for fat loss, right? It's like, but I think in the mainstream population, for for the vast majority of people not in the science-based community, they still use cardio as as their main means of fat loss. Maybe even not traditional cardio. Maybe they just, maybe it's CrossFit. Maybe they're just trying to sweat. Yeah. It's like, they feel like if they want to lose fat, they have to just sweat and burn a ton of calories. The focus is on, you know, maybe we'll take cardio out of it. Maybe we'll just say, if your focus for fat loss is trying to burn as many calories as possible, that's overrated. Yeah. What's underrated is your nutrition, yeah. right? It's like, Fat loss is going to come from what you're putting in, not from how much you're putting out. And, and not to say that it won't, but your focus is so integral here in terms of maintaining a healthier relationship with your body and food and exercise. And it's way easier to develop disordered relationships with exercise and food if you're focusing on trying to burn more calories than if you're focusing on what you're actually putting in your mouth. And when you focus towards what you're putting in, you end up having a healthier relationship versus when you're trying to only focus on burning more and more and more, that's when you get into some pretty dangerous habits. Yeah. I literally just made a TikTok on exactly that before we started this podcast. That's exactly (laughs) what I I was pointing to my watch and, you know, (laughs) dancing around. I love that. Um, (laughs) And it's funny you say like how people in the industry now, it's this, Uh, It's like, there's these two sides um, and people are like, you don't need to do any cardio. And it's like, no, you don't, but you probably should do some. (laughs) It's like the same people who are like, you don't need to eat vegetables and protein to lose weight. You can just eat Kit Kats. It's like, (laughs) yeah, you could, but optimally you probably should eat some veggies, you know? And it's like that. It's like, yes and no. It's like you said, like it's overrated, but not, not important. That's the best way to put it. Yeah. Uh, it's overrated for that specific time for that one facet. Yes. But I think the issue is a lot of people, they, they equate health and fat loss. They think they make them the same thing. Yeah. And they're, if we have a Venn diagram, they definitely overlap significantly, but health and fat loss are not the same thing. And that's where I think so much controversy in the fitness industry stems from is that that miscommunication and that uh, equating of two things that are actually different. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so I guess that's my turn. Uh, I've got my underrated one. Overrated. Oh, there's so many. Um, gosh, I'm just trying to think. I'm going to start with my underrated one first. Underrated is walking. Um I would say, yeah, and I know you said that, but it's so true. Um, I think people just like, oh, but I'm not sweating. You know, I, my muscles aren't burning or whatever it is. And it's like, no, it's something you can do consistently that you can just park farther at the grocery store. You can put your, you know, AirPods in and just listen to a podcast. Like it's, it's so enjoyable. You know, it, it's your yeah. new time. And if anything, it's actually really good stress management. So it kind of balances 100%. with the other one, right? So they kind of go hand in hand. So um, I know you like living in New York. I mean, that's like walker's paradise. Like we don't really have sidewalks yeah, here. So, <laughs> you know, we have very narrow streets where you're kind of dodging cars. <laughs> so um, I have to very intentionally get my walks in and go to parks and stuff. But um, definitely that and overrated. <sighs> overrated, I'm going to say hit workouts. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Same Agreed. thing. Like, I guess it kind of goes with the cardio, but just like even strength training, having to be in a circuit without rest, people not realizing that sometimes just like lifting heavy and just sitting down for three or four minutes, like setting a timer, like is great. You don't have to be out of breath. Yeah. You know, it's good to get those in too, but you know, you don't have to be sweating or dying after every single workout. Yeah. And it shouldn't be your whole workout, right? Yeah. I mean, if you want to have that at the end of your Mm. workout or as a part of some of your workouts, go for it. But if your whole workout, every fucking workout is designed to kill you. Yeah. Well, that's, that's overrated. Exactly. You know, it's not the no pain, no gain thing. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. It was so good to have you here. Um, I I appreciate this. Yeah. This is a great conversation. Um, I think so much helpful information 
for everybody. Yeah. So I will say your Instagram for those who aren't following Jordan, I'll pop his uh, information in the bottom in the, uh, in the caption. So you can give him a follow if you aren't already. And uh, yeah, we'll chat soon. Enjoy your last Amazing. day of Hanukkah. Thank you so much. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, all right. You too. See you later. Bye. Bye.